Hello and welcome back to the Drop Step podcast. It seems like every episode now I start by saying we've hit a milestone, but we truly have today because I have my first returning guest. I have Harrison Fagan of SB Nation of Silver Screen and Roll fame, Lakers fanatic, coming back on the podcast. We recorded a pre-season preview of the Lakers. I had a great time, so I had to ask him to come back on. Harrison, how are you doing today, man? Run-up to Christmas, everything running smoothly at the Fagan household? Yeah, everything's good, although I have to say I'm not sure that, uh, you know, I'm going to get any gifts as good as first return guests on the podcast. You know, I will be waiting for my t-shirt in the mail, like under uh, under the tree, friend, uh, friend of the drop step. Uh, something like that. I will, you know, uh, I eagerly await it. And uh, that's going to be the gift I open first on Christmas morning. Okay. All right. Fair enough. I'm going to have to uh, get on the You got a little time. It's okay. You got five days. I I mean, I know UK UK to US shipping is not going to be easy, but I, I think you can make it happen. I'm on Etsy as we speak. We'll get it. We'll get it through the post. Uh, Harrison, we're here for a sort of quarterly season check in for the Lakers. What have been your thoughts on the season so far? We're currently coming off a big a big success. You're a massive in-season tournament fan. Anyone that follows you on Twitter will know that. Give me the rundown so far on what you've thought. Yeah, so the Lakers, when they play on the weird in-season tournament courts and, uh, you know, like, and or in Las Vegas, you know, are the greatest team of all time, quite possibly. Uh, and then they're just kind of okay in games that are not you know, on those weird, you know, strike down the middle, beautiful, glorious in-season tournament courts where there's 500k on the line that they can get for their, um, you know, rookies and get 250k for the end of bench guys, you know, in, in the games where that is not on the line, they've been a little less impressive. But uh, I, I do think I think they actually have made history sort of tying with the Pacers in, uh, you know, suffering from the first ever in-season tournament hangover. Um, You know, I guess the Lakers actually really are the only ones making history because they actually won it. So they're the first team to have an in-season championship hangover. You know, most teams, they have that at the beginning of the year. You know, it's after winning, you know, the NBA championship. But the Lakers, again, you know, speaking to how meaningful this in-season tournament has become, they're actually having a, you know, a December championship hangover. So, uh, you know, can't say I've really ever seen that before. But, uh, you know, it's this team always finds new ways to uh, support and entertain well it's a massive thing in the uk in uh the football season we have a mid-season tournament i know that we have yeah, the yeah. FA Cup at the end in the champions league but always the team that wins that first tournament of the year unless they're vying for you know the premier league they're on the beach for the rest of the season it's like oh <laughs> fantastic mission accomplished our fans have had a great away day at wembley um yeah we're on the beach from here guys so uh, i'm sure that I feel like the Lakers will snap back into it for Christmas. So, Day, so Adam right? Silver really has succeeded. He's copied the European, yeah. the European football soccer motto, uh, model here. He, uh, you know, the, the Lakers are just sort of continuing that trend. Incredible. Yeah, absolutely. But I think it would be disingenuous to say that, you know, the hangover has been too rough because the Lakers for the season, uh, they're 19th in net rating uh, plus 0.2. So not exactly setting the world alight. 8th in defensive racing, 24th in offensive racing, 10th in pace, uh, currently standing at 8th in the Western Conference. That playing game is becoming a best friend for LeBron James and Anthony Davis and co by the looks of things. Yeah, but- he's gone from he's gone from the playing guy, the guy who invented the playing should be fired to the guy who invented the playing should be given a lifetime contract extension, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, with the way things have gone. 
Yeah, he's absolutely, absolutely up for it. But what I've noticed is that if you cut out the first, uh, let's call it 10 games of the season, the last 15 games for the Lakers have looked a fair bit brighter, both on an individual basis and team-wide. Uh, I'm going to start with individually, because before we jumped on the podcast, I mentioned to you Austin Reeves. I listened back to our podcast that we recorded in the preseason today, and it was just before some doubt started to creep in on the fever stage. I think he got picked on it in one of those games, maybe against Germany. Yeah, yeah, that was definitely after we recorded because I remember that happened and I was on vacation. So I we recorded, I think, before that. Yes, yeah, definitely. Austin was suffering from FIBA World Cup hangover to start the year and he has suddenly come back uh, last 15 games. He's looked a really solid player, but I want to start on... You know, the, the man himself, the man, the myth, the legend, timeless LeBron. One of the things that we said in this preseason preview was if he can be himself one out of three nights, one out of four nights, that'll be a really big success. We're in uncharted territory. And I think that we decided the ceiling of this team would be dictated by LeBron James. I think that's true, but I think he's completely outperformed my expectations. What have you thought watching LeBron so far this year, Harrison? Yeah, I mean, if we're holding ourselves to our preseason takes, I guess he could take the rest of the season off and still fulfill mm-hmm. like, you know, the one out of three nights or, you know, the third ish of the way through. And I, I think he's been on almost every single night. I mean, he has missed, I think, what, one or two games. Uh, and, mm-hmm. you know, there's been a couple in here where, you know, his defensive effort, as you would expect for a guy, you know, at the age he's at, uh, has not been like at the complete level that you would hope it would be on a night to night basis from a guy who was like 10 years younger. But, you know, again, that's somewhat understandable. And I do think that, you know, with this team, you especially saw it in the in-season tournament, he can still ratchet up on that end when the stakes sort of call for it. And he very much is like saving his legs for, you know, he's only got so many of those, you know, really uh, like hard push, you know, closeouts, rotations, Mm -hmm. you know, jumping the passing lanes left. And he's sort of, you know, counting them up and making sure that he divvies them up fairly uh, throughout the year. And so, you know, he's been incredible. You know, it's just sort of amazing how much he can just pick the game apart with his brain at this point, while also still having, you know, I I mean, he's not, I I don't think that this is really slanderous to say. I think anyone listening or you would agree with me that, you know, he's not the athlete he was, you know, 10 years ago or whatever, but Mm -hmm. he still insanely is like top, 10 athlete in the NBA that, you know, he's like top 1%, you know, or whatever in the league still. And yeah, he's not the elite, you know, he can dunk on anyone at any time player that he was before, but he still can a couple times a game if he really wants to, or, you know, you have a couple of these times a game where he's, you know, do it. You can see him sort of doing like, it's the Zach Galifianakis and the hangover gift where he's like (laughs) doing the calculation in his head. If he's like, okay, if I run and I jump this passing lane, I can get a layup on the other end. And then, you know, yes, this is going to be tiring, but it's less energy than me trying to create something in the half court. So I'm going to try and get this easy basket here. And, you know, he's he's picking his spots in real time and it's just sort of incredible to see how he can still control the game while not you know putting his pedal to the metal the entire time he's just uh he he really is one of one it's astounding absolutely i think on those plays he's always thinking can i force the other team to call a timeout on that can i get them to give me a break you know sort of the counterintuitive thing but just to run down 
LeBron's numbers. Again, I'm going to go last 15 games. I want to chuck those first few out because I think the Lakers got to a really rough start. It looked a little slow. It looked a little clunky. Aside from LeBron, who sort of really lit it up in those first 10. He He really was the only one sort of keeping them in it. That was it. That was it, exactly. And we were worried that he was going to have to do that for a long, long period. He's leading the team in threes attempted per game at 6.1. He's knocking down 40.7% of his attempts, 8.1 assists per game. Uh, This is pretty much the most efficient season of his career, aside from that one full-on Terminator cyborg Miami season in 13 Yeah, yeah. He just basically had like a running bet with Dwayne Wade on who could be the most efficient. And so they were both only taking like the most efficient shots possible. Yeah. Yeah, that's the level of like we've mastered the regular season that I think a lot of stars aspire to. But I think the competition has stepped up somewhat. Um, I've been so impressed by what I've seen from LeBron this year. I think that you mentioned he's not the one of one best athlete in the league that he was, but he certainly looks a better athlete than he did last season, particularly in that second stage of the year. I think the fluidity of movement is back. He's There's something interesting about LeBron in that a lot of the time when you see him surging in transition, he doesn't necessarily look like a freight train anymore, but he still gets past two or three guys and he finishes fairly seamlessly in traffic. It's like he's able to have the same effect without having to put the miles on the knees and the joints and the body or you know without having to really throw it down i don't know if he's just playing a jedi mind trick on people or they just know that he's got it in the locker i'm i've been flabbergasted at you know particularly the re-emergence of the shot as well and i think in the pacers game in the in-season tournament final we really saw that he still got it in the tank defensively particularly with that sort of um interesting blitzing pick and roll coverage that the lakers played on tyrese halliburton he cleaned up everything on the back end that game. And uh, I think that went a little bit unnoticed. But LeBron's season so far, 10 out of 10, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, now, I don't even know that you have to add qualifiers to it. He's been just really good. Yeah, I don't even know that you have to put... I, I feel like sometimes we almost do him a disservice by putting the, you know, like age 39, turning 40 season, yeah. you know, on, on his stuff. Like he would... This would be good for a, you know... 30 year old for a, you know, for a 28, this is a better season than most, you know, guy, most stars in their prime will ever have. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, yeah, he's been really, really good. And, uh, you know, I I think to the fast break point sort of that you were mentioning, yeah, like he's, you know, he's not faster than everyone anymore, but he's still so coordinated and such a good ball handler and so strong that he doesn't have to outrun everyone. Like he can just, he can get that shoulder into you. He can knock you off your spot. And it's sort of, you know, it's like, hey, do you want to intercept the train as it's moving, even if it's moving a little slower? It's like, you know, I certainly still don't want to try and stop the train, even if it's slowing down a little bit, right? Like that's you're still going to get splattered. And so I think like that is part of that as well is, you know, yeah, okay, he's not he's not beating you down the floor in transition anymore. But it's like, okay, are you really going to step in and sort of do you do you think you can stop him? And, you know, I think most NBA players are calculating the answer to that is no, Uh, I, I do not think. I can and I do not want to end up on a poster yeah absolutely no notes for LeBron keep doing what you're doing I'm sure that he's listening in I've sent that t-shirt to him as well so hopefully Instagram lives reacts to it on Christmas day and bang we've got that'd be big for the podcast yeah if he he's like you know I don't I I haven't it would be a real insult to me though if he got the return guest t-shirt before I did though it's like wait a second like LeBron as far as I know LeBron hasn't been on you know it's hey that that's messed up but look you know i i respect it you got to get those downloads up any way you can 
I think he might respect the balls of sending him not only just a drop step t-shirt but a return guest as in he's not only going to come on once he's going to come back on i think he's like wow i I must i'm really gonna like this podcast this uh, this guy is really confident yeah yes absolutely uh moving on from lebron to his partner in crime ad anthony davis he's for some reason just in the media he gets trashed for whatever he does. I know that he isn't a night to night as consistent as Jokic and Bede, Luka Doncic, but I still think there's a real argument he's been a top 10 player in the league this year. Just for my money, unequivocally, a top two defender, the most versatile defensive player in the league, uh, absolutely smashing it on the glass this year, 13.3 rebounds per game in his last 15 games and leading the team in points as well. 25.9 points per game the efficiency isn't quite um at you know that hyper elite offensive level still about 62 percent true shooting but again for anthony davis if lebron is having a 10 out of 10 season for my money anthony davis is having a 9 out of 10 season uh stayed healthy what have you thought watching ad this year and what have you thought of their synergy on the court yeah, I actually, I, I think I should correct your uh, your intro there is that, you know, you said that he gets sort of what he, he gets, you know, like criticized for what he does do. I, I think more so than any star in the league, he gets criticized for what he doesn't do. It's like, instead right. of appreciating, it's like, you know, like, hey, this seven footer is out here, like switching onto guards and locking them up. And it's like, you know, we have this whole Tyrese Halliburton, you know, coming out party for like two weeks because he's been playing well in the in-season tournament. And then mm-hmm. he just looks you know again that was not all Anthony Davis Cam Reddish Sherrod Vanderbilt you know all those guys certainly contributed to you know uh, Tyrese's struggles in that in-season tournament championship game but you know you have AD getting switched out onto this guy or you know taking him on a, you know rotation and just completely swallowing up his world defensively and it's just you know it, it's like you said it's the versatility you know you said top two defender I would assume the other guy that you have in there is like Gobert so far this year yeah I I can't yeah. take out Rudy I think that he's had such a resurgence this year but that is another podcast love rudy uh no no no, for sure i just was like i was trying to clarify like you know i think the difference between those two guys is like rudy you know just sort of, you know, to me at least, you know, again, I'm not going to claim that I watch the Timberwolves as often as I do the Lakers. Uh, you know, maybe if the Lakers mm-hmm. had never moved, I would watch the Minnesota team as much as, uh, you know, then, but they did. So, um, yeah. you know, Rudy sort of takes the rim away in a way that is unique and special and just makes guys reconsider, you know, sort of their uh, life process and decision making in terms of like, how did I end up here five feet from the rim? And it's like, oh, this guy, uh, I'm looking up, this guy looks really tall. I don't know. Uh, let me, let me just, I'm not even gonna shoot you know i'm just gonna i'm gonna dribble back out it's fine um and you know he is excellent at taking away that area of the floor i think that anthony davis the advantage that i would argue that he has on rudy is that he can take away any area of the floor you know for the most part you know the the, his rotations and his ability to get a second jump in to you know make a second rotation is the only reason the lakers defense is survivable you know like uh, again not to make this like a defensive player of the year you know podcast whatever 20 20 ish something games in or you know rudy certainly has a case I'm not trying to take that away from him or anything, but he does have a lot more help with the Timberwolves in terms of the defensive weapons next to him. Edwards, when he turns it up, can be ridiculous. McDaniels is really, really good all game. You know, um, like they just have a little bit more of an infrastructure there. And when you look at the Lakers, it's like, oh yeah, their defensive stoppers are, their defensive stopper in the starting lineup is uh, Cam Reddish. 
<laughs> yeah. And it's like, okay, you know, like people, people would have laughed at you for suggesting that going into the season. And now Cam has made some real growth. I'm sure that we'll talk about that, you know, as the pod. But I think a lot of that is possible because you have a guy like AD that is back there. LeBron can pick and choose his spots on defense because he knows that, okay, if I can just take away this sort of one area of the court and I can pick off any passes that come over here, AD is going to guard the other 75%. And like, I'm going to be good, you know, on, I'm not going to end up looking dumb for jumping this passing lane. And, you know, the Lakers guards and the Lakers wings can sell out as much as they do defensively and trying to, you know, play that hyper-aggressive trapping, you know, style because AD can make basically any rotation guard anyone for any singular possession you know and yep. he just is you know he he to me is the best defensive player i've ever watched up close you know by far like i, I don't i can't really think of a close second um mm -hmm. and you know uh like just I, I think he really should get a lot more respect for you know the type of career that he has had and what he can still do on defense and you know you mentioned the offense stuff that's where he gets the up and down reputation from it's certainly I'm not going to argue that he scores consistently really well every single yeah. game I think that you know sometimes even his big scoring games he will he does this thing where he gets for whatever reason the team gets him really involved in the first quarter and he'll have like 20 or something in the first quarter right, yeah. and then like 10 points like the rest of the game or, or whatever and it's like okay you know this guy all of a sudden he looks like he's on track to score 80 and, and not that I really think he's going to do that but then it's he sort of gets can get taken out of it or they can go away from him a little bit too easily or you know he just is not demanding the ball like a lot of star players would and in some ways that's a good thing that allows the Lakers to operate but I think sometimes it would also be better for the team if he was a little more selfish if he was a little more like you know getting in someone like D'Lo's face and like being like, Hey, you got to get me the ball. Like, what are you doing? Yep. You know, and stuff like that. And um, yeah, anyway, I, I'm huge AD fan. Uh, can't say enough good things about that guy. Yeah, absolutely. I think if we're going to sort of try and sew up the Rudy AD comparisons, keep it on Vegas theme. Rudy Gobert is your set menu Michelin star restaurant. Anthony Davis is the breakfast buffet where you walk around and they have everything you could ever dream of. And it's all delicious. He is your guy for all seasons, basically. And I think that um, <laughs> if I have Rudy as my number one defender in the regular season, it might well switch in the postseason just because. So I agree with that 100 percent. Yeah, I, I think the AD has shown time and time again, a lot more scheme versatility in the playoffs. And like to me, I know, again, we have the stupid argument every year where it's like, well, you're taking the season into account. And it's like, OK, at some point, the guy's body of work should start to play in a little bit like when yeah. we've seen, you know, we just saw this with this happens in the MVP discourse. This happens in discourses around other awards where it's like, well, you know, you can't really win because you've like Yoko last year couldn't win in part because you know of the postseason stuff and everyone was like oh you can't consider this but also i'm kind of considering it anyway yeah like, i don't know why we just sort of you know for every other award or just like yeah but you know past playoff stuff whatever who cares uh you know the timberwolves are really good defensively let's give rudy his 75th defensive player of the year um and then watch them lose in the first round again absolutely i'm sure we'll get onto that i really want to cover playoff matchups later in the podcast but Anthony Davis, LeBron James, when they've been on the court together this year, they're rocking a six net rating, which is excellent. That would rank you pretty highly amongst your duos in the league. When AD is on and LeBron is off, they're at a minus seven net rating, but there's some definite shooting luck involved there. When LeBron is on and AD is off, uh, they're plus 15 on net rating, which is absolutely mental. 
uh, again, shooting luck. I, I really, really think that so, at the end of his career, LeBron will come out and say, I'm a Jedi. That's it. I, I just... I, yeah, he he Jedi mind tricks guys into th- into yeah. remembering their good three point shooters when he passes to them. Yeah. Um uh I, no, I think some of it is certainly shooting luck. I think there is some early season lineup context to that where, you know, a lot of especially when they were starting Austin and D'Lo, AD would play in these like abominable all AD plus all bench units that just had no creation, no nothing, right. like no shooting. And just like some of that has normalized and whatever. And it's why I would expect that number to continue to get a little bit better, you know, as the season goes along in addition to the shooting stuff. But there, there has been some, you know, lineup stuff that I think AD has suffered from more than LeBron because AD is more context dependent than LeBron. Like LeBron, it's like you put LeBron in a lineup, it's going to be pretty good automatically. It's like, okay, you know, you have, you know, you have a pop big okay he's gonna set him up you have a you have a like a rim rolling big he's gonna set him up for easy dunks you got like you you got other playmakers okay lebron can cut and he can play off the ball and you got you have no playmakers okay lebron's just gonna play point guard where it's like ad you know you need that playmaker next to him you need sort of the right spacing context and again like this is why lebron is in the argument for the greatest player of all time and ad is in the argument for like you know like uh, one of the top 10 guys in the league every year or so you know stuff like that but nobody seriously considering him greatest of all time it's just like it's hard to get to that level as a, especially as a big man if you aren't an individual creator on the level of an Embiid or Jokic and AD just is not that like he's a great player but he just is not that level of sort of one-on-one isolation hub post scorer creator type of guy he needs that creation around him to fully sort of uh extricate his value yeah, I was listening to Thinking Basketball the other day, Ben Taylor's uh, much claimed podcast, and he had a fantastic point about Anthony Davis that he actually said he might have one of the greatest peaks ever sometimes in that, you know, a lot of the players that yeah. we look back on in history, they have a body of work where for two to three regular seasons plus post seasons, they were their best selves. Whereas Anthony Davis seems to hit his peak one night and then, you know, look like a shell of himself the next. And he, um, it's like his peak is more erratic. He doesn't sustain it for a regular season. But when he's on, he provides, you know, all-time levels of value. But anyway, that is a that is a conversation for another day. The one stat that I didn't read is when there's no LeBron James on the court, when there's no Anthony Davis on the court, the Lakers oh, no. are a minus 23 in net racing. <laughs> so... Seems so high, not, not honestly. Fantastic. I, you know, yeah. that that actually, I would, I would have guessed it was, it was worse than that. Um, yeah, uh, they, uh, they definitely cannot survive without both of those guys. And you know, I think Darwin has sort of figured that out and has uh, stopped, you know, ever really resting them at the same time. So I think what we've got to look out for is when Detroit are next on the schedule, and you know, if AD and LeBron rest. They're like, I'm sure these guys can get it done. That could be an all time. No, I'm game. not. I'm. I'm not sure. LeBron, LeBron, and Anthony. I'm not sure. I. I don't think they can. Um, They'll be yeah, running they're... out of the locker room in the fourth quarter. Like, I what? Seriously, you guys haven't. I think this it's away? February. Uh, is the next right. game against? Uh, is is their game against Detroit? I saw Lakers fans were saying it's like, oh, sorry, Detroit, you're gonna have to wait till February to get your next win. Um, nice. you know, after they lost to the Spurs, so. So yeah, we've we've covered our top two. When they're on the court, aside from some dodgy uh, shooting luck and you know iffy lineup construction, particularly because of injuries as well. I think the start of the season, the Lakers really struggled in terms of injuries. So those Anthony Davis lineups must have been pretty thin. Um, 
what what have been your thoughts on the rest of the roster? Who's stood out as who have been your top two players that have stood out in comparison to what you maybe expected from the start of the year? And who have been your two players that have let you down a little bit in comparison to what you might have expected? So one of the guys that has stood out and maybe qualifies for both categories is Torian Prince, where, you know, he is a guy that if you look at his uh, like home road splits, it's almost unbelievable. Like to the point that, you know, again, like I I believe he's shooting like, I think like 28% or something from the, from three at home and, you know, like 44% on the road, which again, I know that that's like a couple threes. There could be some luck in that or whatever, but when you watch him on the road versus at home, like he just looks more confident shooting the ball. I do wonder how much of that is sort of the unique crypto, you know, the lighting uh, in, in the crypt. And, you know, we have seen shooters show up here and just play worse. And, you know, Steph famously has not been very good in, uh, you know, in, at Los Angeles's arena when playing against the Lakers. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I, I think like there is maybe a little bit of something to that, but he stood out in the sense that he is playing like star level minutes. And I did not expect him to be this integral of a part of a rota- of the rotation. Uh, I didn't really expect him to start, frankly, but then the sort of the Vando inner injury and, you know, some of the other stuff sort of forced that. But mm. yeah, I, I just think that he has had moments and games where he's looked really, really good when his shot has been on, but he is sort of, you know, I described him to someone the other day in, in a text message as uh, disturbingly chill. He just is sort of, you know, like he just looks way too sort of calm and relaxed and, you know, like for someone that is struggling and just like to the point of like almost like not caring. And, you know, he is someone that has, I think, sort of stood out in both categories and that he stood out in that they're way more sort of reliant on him than I expected them to be. And, you know, to his credit. When he's hitting his threes, they're basically unbeatable. You know, you saw that in sort of the in-season tournament and a lot of those games. Like when he is, you know, when he's making his threes at like an over a 40% clip, like they are really, really tough to beat just because this team is... I won't say shooting starved, like they're not as bad as they've been in years past in that respect, but they are, they're so good defensively that if they just get reasonable three-point shooting instead of, you know, like league worst, then all of a sudden that really props the offense up. And so he's someone that really stands out. I I will say as far as like the other sort of standout above expectations for me is definitely Cam Reddish. And I'm sure that you probably uh, could have predicted that he would be one of the guys in this category. Like I just had very low expectations based on what I had seen, based on what I had read, heard, you know, talked to people, whatever. Like, he just seems to have had an incredibly underwhelming career thus far and thought he was a lot better than he actually was. And, you know, in part because of that draft pedigree and just sort of disappointed everywhere he went. And, you know, he is another, you know, sort of graduate of the LeBron James School for Gifted Youngsters. And, uh, you know, like Le Professor X is uh, just sort of taking in these gifted former lottery picks. And, you know, he's teaching them to use their unique abilities in ways that can impact 
you know, winning context. Like, you know, most members of the X-Men, like not perfect superheroes on their own, like probably couldn't get it done as like a solo person, but you know, they just fit in so well with the team. You know, he's teaching, you know, he teaches your sort of Malik Monks, your Cam Reddishes, your, um, even your Lonnie Walkers and sort of brief spurts and guys like that, where they come here and they're these like lottery picks or, you know, high first round picks. And it's, they figure out, okay, here's what you're actually good at in the NBA. And I think Cam has done that to a great degree where it's, you know, hey, you're not a number one scoring option. You're probably never going to be that in the NBA. That ship has sailed. But you know what you can do with that insane, uh, you know, sort of like top of the level of the league athleticism is you can really, really pressure ball handlers and make their lives hell. And so, you know, he is someone that has stood out, been much better defensively and much more impactful than I ever could have anticipated. I think he you know, in moments has become a little overrated on that end. I think some of that, you know, what he is able to do is because of sort of the Anthony Davis backstop back there. And I am skeptical, you know, that they won't, that that is going to completely hold up in the playoffs and that he's going to be, you know, like still continue to be super valuable as teams sort of, you know, start to play off of him more and things like that. But, you know, he really has impressed as a regular season player so far. And then I guess for my other sort of disappointment, you know, I tell you what, while you think Harrison, I hate that. No, no, no. I, I, I just like, I'm, I'm okay. no, I got it. Yeah. I, I sort of hate to say Christian Wood because my expectations weren't all that high for him to begin with, but it's just, mm-hmm. I did not expect sort of, you know, the level of just kind of shot chucking and, you know, like lack of attention to detail defensively stuff like you know just lack of it you know he is someone that early on in the year was really helpful for the Lakers rebounding and you know he had some impact moments some impact games but just um you know for a guy that got basically benched in favor of Jackson Hayes to sort of come back into the rotation and look like and just play matador defense look like he's barely trying and then trying to get shots up every single time he can like I don't know I've just been really disappointed in him uh as just in terms of like this is your last shot dude and I don't know like how this is not sort of getting through to you yeah it's weird so I think that Christian Wood sort of suffers from the reverse effect of uh usually a fan that watches every game of their team they will think that their players are much much better than they actually yeah are, yeah right? <laughs> they'll key yeah. in on all those positives whereas I think if you watch Christian Wood or if over the last few seasons you've watched Christian Wood maybe five six times a year you're looking you go how is this guy not um you know breaking through into a starting role yeah. he can shoot from deep he can no pop, this is a perfect this is a perfect himself. comp yeah it, it's deep. a perfect he's the comp, opposite yeah. If you watch him every week, you just go, oh, God, get away from my team, which is insane. And interestingly yeah. enough, I wanted to say this on the Cam Reddish point as well. So Cam Reddish's last 10 games, he has shot 37% from the field. He's shot 23% from three, 5.3 points per game in 25 minutes. Yet in those 10 games, he is a team high plus 9.2 in net rating. So he is another sort of... Never mind, these nerds are ruining the game with their emphasis on three-point shooting. You don't need it. Keep it up, Cam. You got this. This is the thing. So this is, um, yeah, Christian Wood. He's the guy that you you look and you think five times a year, oh, he can be fantastic. He can be an all-star. I always thought that if Cam Reddish found a home in the NBA, it would be putting up stats on a bad team, right? You know, chucking up shots. Yeah creates a couple of highlight plays every night. And the fact that he's being able to 
wheel it like sort of what Kelly Oubre was until this year where Kelly Oubre now is like super impacting winning uh with the Sixers but like you know uh, but the previous years you know with the Wizards Hornets whatever like it's just like yeah that's a guy that can get like 20 points on a team that is gonna win like you know barely over single digit games yeah um and 101.3 defensive racing for the Lakers when Cam Reddish is on the court so he's absolutely bringing it on that end of the floor I think he's been really impressive but what I want to do now is I, I I'm in two minds whether we go straight to uh playoff matchups or whether we have a brief sidebar for the in-season tournament because we've spoken about it a little bit but I think that Harrison because of your love for the in-season tournament I want to spend a quick five <laughs> Yeah, uh, sorry, I I'm, I'm misnaming it the cup. It's just the cup, yeah. right? That that's, to me, that's it really year. it really should be just the cup. If they had called it the cup from the beginning, I do feel like I feel like this was partially a branding failure on the NBA's part, and right. they got a little too sort of you know cutesy in their own heads, whatever about like you know we're gonna call this the in season tournament so that later we can call it like the Amazon in season tournament or whatever it wants to be, and it's just like you know you no it's just it's the, it's the cup brought to you by Amazon later on you know it's the amazon cup it's the it's it's the hbo cup it's the you know like what are the other streamers that are maybe going to be uh like the netflix cup you know uh and and there you go the the netflix and chill cup uh in in las vegas uh you know there you go free branding idea for you netflix um uh yeah i i just you know so to take you behind the curtain a little bit like in part it 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 started out as a little bit of a bit. I was getting like overly enthusiastic for it, you know, as almost like a sort of a parody of like what the NBA wanted to suddenly happen with people once they saw like, you know, the, the colorful courts or whatever. And then I started yeah. watching the games and it's like, no, this is actually way better than most regular season basketball. It, it turns out, you know, the the amount of money that you have to offer NBA players to try extra hard in the regular season is a lot lower than I would have guessed, um, right. which is, both i guess like good but also sort of sad it's like you guys are making a lot of money and you can't like get a you know like you know hey i get it like everybody sort of is in their own context and has their jobs and you know like it's sort of like you know the the analogy that i've been making to people is it's basically what happened was if you told like if your boss told you at your job it's like hey you know like jack you're doing great work but if you can just go like an extra 20 to 30% harder on like five days this month, we're actually going to give all of the coworkers on your team, uh, like we're going to double their salary for the year. Like you'd probably go a lot harder on those four or five days, you know, uh, like e- even if, even if you weren't necessarily getting that big of a chunk of a bonus, they're like, ah, eh, you get like 5% bonus or whatever. You'd still, mm-hmm. you know, probably ratchet it up those days because it's like, Hey, you know, I want, these guys at the end of the bench to sort of, you know, get and be able to double their money or these two way guys to be able to put a mortgage down on a house uh, pretty much, you know, like uh, just because we played extra hard and, you know, as their reward for sort of helping us out in practice. And so I, I do think that it really did seem to motivate a lot of teams and it seemed to motivate a lot of players into plant making the regular season better, which should have always been the goal. And, you know, again, it's just it's an extra thing to root for. It's an extra thing to care about. The games are extra competitive. Like, tell me why you should be making the argument to me, you know, critics of the in-season tournament. Like, why should I not care about this thing? Isn't, isn't what we're watching for that we want like better basketball and more compelling Mm. basketball. And, you know, these guys to play hard, like it sort of fixed the regular season, at least for those five games, you know, there's been some stinkers otherwise. Uh, But like, I think, um, 
you know, yeah, I, I just, I really enjoyed it a lot more than I expected to. And what started out as like a bit of sort of, you know, standing the cup or whatever actually became very earnest to the point that my wife actually got me an in-season tournament cup uh, t-shirt for Christmas. Um, oh, and so, uh, yeah, uh, very, very excited to bust that out tomorrow. Well, I'm glad that you're going to have at least one T-shirt under the tree this Christmas, Harrison. Just no, no, no. It's not too late, Jack. Don't give up. I, I, I still oh. believe in you. You can do this. All right. We'll see. We'll see. Um, but I, I think two notes. I, I think a lot of people will have looked at LeBron and gone, this is another thing for his legacy. He can claim to be the guy. I think that I wonder what the betting odds are that the MVP will be named after him, like the in-season tournament MVP that will soon become his trophy. I think there was yeah. an argument to be made that... Um, I mean, they got to have something to name after him. They yeah. named all these other things. And so, you know, hey, maybe it'll be they that. The gun. Yeah, they've absolutely jumped the gun. So it, it's part legacy. And the other thing is, uh, I think that the stars around the league and players like LeBron understand that the 500K is great and all, but if the league can sell this, they're going to get a big piece of the pie. Yeah, that, that. that bonus so, is probably going to be a lot bigger in future years, yeah. you know, if Amazon or Netflix come in over the top, you know. Um, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I loved it. I, I absolutely loved it. I did a full recap with Chris LeBron last week on the in-season tournament. Quick takeaways were, uh, please, no more red courts. That was pretty much it. That was yeah, my that one was, note. That was my one thing with the courts. Like, at first, I sort of was skeptical of the courts. And then you actually watch them. And most of them looked, like, kind of cool. And it's, a, you know, it's visually interesting. Maybe a few of them yeah. could be toned back. It was really just the red ones that I was like, kill it with fire, please. Like, I can't I can't do This is too much. You need to, you need to go with a different color for these games. Even even teams that are red. Sorry. Like, use, use one of your other colors on your 15 alternate jerseys for the year, you know? If I'm going to think about The Shining during an NBA game, it should be because they're showing <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that was like the the final for Vegas. It's like everybody, what's everybody's one criticism of the courts that was like <laughs> yeah. universal, even among the people who didn't think, who kind of liked them or whatever, was like no red courts. And then it's like, you know, the in-season finals brought to you by the Detroit Pistons colors with this giant <laughs> red streak. Um, yeah, it was, it was a little much. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The Bulls one was like, the Bulls one was like near blinding. It it would explain their record in the in-season tournament. Like they just couldn't see, uh, you know, those were bad games. Uh, Yeah. And I I, I think the thing that I really took away from the in-season tournament from the Lakers perspective is they've already shown us that they can really step it up on both ends Mm -hmm. of the floor. LeBron can assert himself. I fully expected them to go out to the Pelicans. I thought that they would be a great matchup for the Lakers in terms of the overwhelming size, the multiple scoring threats, but um, they just got blown off the court. That one... You LeBron underestimated three. Las Vegas nightlife, uh, I think. That must uh, and... Yeah. Oh my God, Zion. Like like, like yeah. we said, the restaurants, the buffets, that must be it. Um, but yeah. they really, really stepped it up to a big degree. And I think that that brings us on to thinking a little bit more about the postseason. So we've had near enough a 25 game sample size for the Lakers this year. We've had the cup, which is all the more helpful. I want to run through a few of the teams that you might expect to face in the Western conference playoffs. We're not going to do the East. That would be ridiculous, but Give me no, a it's quick. Not. They, they, they made, they could make the finals. Don't rule them out, Jack. Unbelievable. Sure, sure, sure. The, but you know. Oh, hating. Oh my God. Uh, no, like, no, I, no. No, I'm, I'm jotting you down on my list of Lakers haters off to the side here. This is, uh, I, I'm going to pull up this clip uh, at the end of the season when they, when they've raised banner number 19. Uh, if it, if it gets me traction on Twitter, by all means, please do it. But, um, <laughs> so the team, uh, the team top of the West right now, the Timberwolves, 
I want quick fire reactions. Yay or nay? Do you fancy the Lakers in a series against the Timberwolves or would you be a little bit worried? I would be a little bit worried based on how the Timberwolves have played this year. I do think that, you know, I'm still skeptical, probably more skeptical of them than most just because of Cavs' right. history of sort of playoff meltdowns and Gobert sort of, you know, I know people sort of bring up the cutesy stats of like, he doesn't actually get played off. Like, you know, my eye test has told me that he gets played off the floor in the playoffs and that he gets taken advantage of at times and, you know, against mm. not the right matchups. And I do think that AD has traditionally played very well against him, um, you know, especially when the stakes or higher and so I would like the Lakers chances but the Timberwolves are sort of you know a, an interesting matchup for the Lakers just in the sense that they are so big inside that theoretically they could bully the Lakers in there because the Lakers you know one of sort of the uh, they wanted to have centers that they could play next to AD and thus far you know both of the centers that they signed uh, you know have proven to sort of continue to be sort of bad at winning basketball and uh you know that may be something that they need to address moving on in like the buyout market or on the trade market or something like that um but uh yeah I I think that they'd have a shot against the Timberwolves but the Timberwolves look really good and they do have a wave of guys to throw at LeBron and at least a few yeah. credible Anthony Davis defenders, which is sort of, you know, the recipe for, you know, giving the Lakers some problems in the postseason. And so, you know, like I, I would, I, they certainly would be one of my less preferred, I think, um, you know, matchups at the top of the conference. Yeah, I completely agree. I think the key point there is the number of players that they can throw at LeBron. They've got Anthony Edwards, they've got Jaden McDaniels, they've got Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who's been really impressive. Um, you know, this season actually really stepped up his level of play. I look at the comparison. Even Kyle between, Anderson like has yeah, size, and yeah. stuff. like he's not going to stop LeBron, but like he can, he can, you know, sort of six, give you some minutes on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I look at the comparison of the young stars, and I just think over the course of a seven-game series, I know that uh, Bron and Davis have the experience, but having Towns to call on, having Edwards to call on, I'm a big Towns guy. I know that a lot of people would just go postseason. That's a guaranteed win in the playoffs, but. Uh, I, I'd worry about them for now. I think the lack of and a I one hundred percent believe in Ant as a playoff player. Like I, I think yeah. that we've seen him enough step up when the stakes get raised. Uh, that like I, I have one hundred percent belief that like he will rise to the occasion and give the Lakers some real trouble. Hundred percent. Uh, so second team in the conference, we've got the Thunder. I, I think that I fancy the Lakers against the Thunder much more yeah. than I do against the Timberwolves for the inverse reason in that. The Thunder have all these sort of small forward size guys and they have one really skinny center who, you know, might go on to absolutely tear it up. I've loved watching Chet <laughs> this year. Uh, Thunder Chats, massive friend of the podcast as well. Another candidate for a returning guest in the next couple of months. Uh, we we will geek out. But not the first. Take on. that, Thunder Chats. Take that. Take that. But um, I, I, I just worry about the sheer lack of size. And I think that yeah. the Thunder have... Uh, sorry, the Lakers have a number of guys that they can throw at Shea Gilgis-Alexander as well to try yeah. and slow him yeah. down over the course of a series. So I think I'd feel a fair yeah, bit more positive sort of, about that matchup. That's sort of the exact inverse of like the Timberwolves in terms yeah. of like, like you mentioned, the lack of size inside. That's where the Lakers do most of their damage. Like, yes, Chet is really good and he's been good defensively, but like that's a guy who I imagine is going to be getting in foul trouble with LeBron and AD barreling at him for like 48 minutes. Uh, and, you know, what do the Thunder have behind him? What do, you know, like, like how much can he really affect 
their attack at the rim, or, you know, when the stakes are that high and when things mm-hmm. get to that level. And then, you know, on the other end of the floor with Shea being sort of the point of their attack, you know, obviously I'd still expect him to have a good series, but the Lakers have a lot of guys that they can throw at him in waves to make that more difficult, you know, with Vando, with Cam, you know, those are the types of guys that they have traditionally like defended pretty well throughout the course of this year is those sort of downhill attacking primary playmaking guards, you know, that kind of thing, you know, with those guys Mm -hmm. and that blitzing, you know, hyper aggressive attack. And so um, I I would like their chances against them. Yeah. And just final note, I think that another strategy they could potentially employ is just defending Shea one-on-one, not showing help and shutting out the rest of the guys and just saying, basically, if you were to beat us over the course of a seven game series, Shea, you are going to have to be the best player in the NBA. And there's an argument that he's potentially been that this year, certainly in terms of- You have more faith in the Lakers guys to hold up individually one-on-one and uh, against Shea than I do. (laughs) <laughs> I no 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 maybe maybe might, Vando could. if he's healthy uh but, like could for you know some stretches and you know whatever but I, think, I, I yeah I would have to see Cam do it uh before I'm willing to go there I'm basically talking about think LeBron versus Orlando in 2009 ah, okay yeah, yeah, yeah. You put up those insane numbers and it's just everyone else you're not going to get anything and we so okay so you're it's it's, it's, sac- it's not sacrificial lamb it's sacrificial cam in this case and uh yes. he's just getting yeah, yeah, yeah. you know just like completely just like fire roasted for you know six or seven games but uh they 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 stay home on the shooters okay I I like where okay now I'm I'm more aligned with where your head's at yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I think he's unguardable, so you just accept that. But the team in third in the Western Conference are old foes, Michael Malone and the Nuggets. I'm not leading with Jokic because he doesn't care about any sort of rivalry. It's just Malone. It's the rest of the guys. Have you seen anything this year? To it is the first like coach versus player rivalry in quite a while that I can recall. Um, yeah. yeah, it's like the coach is like more active talking it up than like the only player that really even talked up during that whole thing was Bruce Brown. And he's not even there anymore. Uh, but the um, as, as D'Lo was happy to remind him during the uh, in-season tournament final, um, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I yeah, just because of how much the Nuggets dominated them last time around and were able to finish the series. And, you know, I, I know that on the Hoop Collective, they joke it was the most competitive sweep in NBA history, which is like sort of true. But also, you know, again, that's not that big of a compliment. It's like you still got swept in the end. And there's still some sort of late game stuff that you'd have to. And it, it's not like I'm sitting here thinking the Lakers offense got a whole lot better this year. You know, they've mm. certainly had their struggles on that end. And so I would be, I would be probably, that's probably my, you know, if I'm ranking like the top four, that's probably the one that I would want to play the least uh, out of those teams. If, you know, we're that's ranking sort of the top four in the West, just because, you know, Jokic at this point, you know, I, I think previous to this in their careers, AD had actually had some good matchups against Jokic, but Jokic last year so thoroughly outplayed him that I would be concerned mm-hmm. about it. Yeah, I think the key to Jokic is having a guy that has the weight that doesn't let him do that eight dribble post up where he takes you 10 seconds to get there and you force him to have a great shooting night, which he's perfectly capable of. But I think it's why in individual matchups at times we've seen Joel Embiid have real success because he can stretch him out on one end of the floor and stop him from getting him to that. Um, It's almost like his bailout bucket. If everything is broken down for the Nuggets, then it's just right. Give me the ball. I'll go to the eight dribble post up, and yeah, we're back. Yeah, he's like, play. I'm gonna, it's I'm gonna turn like six times, and then like toss up this little floater, and, like while I dribble, and it's just gonna like not even touch the rim. Like, 
or it touches the rim and I get the tip in. That's the typical yeah. one with him, right? Yeah, yeah. He's just always there. He gets too close. Yeah. But I think I'm yeah. going to group the Kings and the Warriors together because I think it's fairly short conversation as currently constructed. Two words, too small for me. That would be my issue. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah it, uh, the only pushback that I will give against the Lakers is, like, the Kings the last couple of years have just, like, blown them off the floor basically every right. single time they play. I'm just skeptical that that will continue in a postseason environment with, like, a fully locked-in, you know, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, whatever. Like, I, I just don't think they have enough defensively, and I think the Lakers have enough on defense to sort of slow their offense down and dominate them inside. And, uh, yeah, I would be skeptical that, um, you know, the Kings are getting revenge for 2001 in that one yeah that would be another series where it's like cam reddish back to the grindstone you're gonna be put through it through this western yeah. conference playoff run go do your best yeah and you know like and and the warriors you know yeah i i um they're just sort of sad to think about at this point let's, like i don't let, yeah i don't let's park them they're they're an hour yeah. they're a therapy session at this rate but things <laughs> are looking up slightly uh yeah. the team ranked fifth in the western conference and the team ranked sixth are the two teams that I think would provide the single most fun matchup for the Lakers in the postseason. So the Mavs, just two chess masters, yeah. 130 points per game. Um, that that would be must-see TV for me. Do you fancy the Lakers against the Mavericks? Yeah, it's like the closest thing we'd ever get to getting to watch, uh, like, Le like, old LeBron versus young LeBron, you know, like Luca really yeah. is sort of to me, like the close, like he's not the athlete LeBron was by any means, but just in terms of like play style and just being that big guard and just like, you know, uh, just dominating guys from every area on the floor. Like Luca really mm -hmm. does remind me of, you know, him in sort of that way, just in the IQ, you know, floor general, you know, taking over heliocentrism, uh, level of his attack. Um, yeah. I, I think that would be like a seven game series, like the Lakers and Mavs going back to basically Luca's entire career, LeBron's entire time on the Lakers. Like they have, you know, I would be shocked if the average margin of victory, uh, like in the average, like margin in those games, like since Luca sort of came to the Mavs was like higher mm. than, you know, like five points. Like, I feel like every single game between those two teams almost comes down to the wire with a few exceptions here and there. And so, yeah, I think that would be a really fun series. Um, I'm going to pick the Lakers just to be a homer, but I think they would be pretty evenly matched and uh it would be really back and forth and you know uh it would be it would be also just like from a narrative perspective uh very funny to have uh like Kyrie versus LeBron and um 100%. you know in yeah. the playoffs and uh like you know D'Angelo Russell versus Kyrie Irving if D'Lo's still around after the trade deadline and all that stuff so yeah yeah uh, I think key to success for that one would be LeBron and AD getting Derek Lively in foul trouble really early on. You know, a rookie's first sort of run in the postseason. Yeah. Once they don't have Derek Lively on the court, I think they become a slightly easier proposition to handle. But um, yeah, that would be an all-time playoff series. You're you're underestimating the immortal Dwight Powell. Uh, he's just gonna uh, like he's gonna be back again, and he, he's he's ready to shine once more uh, now that the postseason has arrived. But yeah, no, I I, I agree with you. And and as far yeah. as the Clippers, I they I know they've won eight games in a row. This is gonna sound really stupid to anyone that's Ooh. been. I just. I don't believe in them. I do, I still don't. I just okay. uh, there there's there's too many playoff question marks. Whatever. Like I do, I I'm I'm taking the Lakers over them. Sorry. 
Excellent. All right. Well, we've got two more teams that I want to talk about realistically. I'm not going to talk about the Rockets. Sorry, Rockets fans, if you're listening. Uh, you don't want but... Dylan Brooks versus LeBron in the first round again? I mean, the Lakers no, are going to have to get no it together in the standings. You know, like uh, jump. maybe we'll get Dylan Brooks versus LeBron in the play-in. There we the play-in. go. Yeah. 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 Just book it in every year, whether it's the Grizzlies, the Rockets, or whatever Dylan Brooks's next team is. I'm sure he's going to. Yeah. They have to play in the, play. in some sort of postseason environment at some point uh, yes. where Dylan Brooks can talk a bunch of trash and then LeBron can embarrass him again. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna, he's him. It's just, it's the way of the world. Yeah. And the Suns, uh, I think that we've t- spoke about the Pelicans uh, a little bit, but finally the Suns, a team that aren't doing fantastically at the moment. But I was listening to Zach Lowe's podcast today. Uh, Devin Booker, Bradley Beal and Kevin Durant have played a total of 24 minutes together uh, this season. So we haven't really seen the finished product at any stage. I think that's a really interesting matchup because they don't really have anyone that could guard LeBron. I think that Lakers would shut off the rim, but the Suns, if fully healthy, which is a massive if, are probably the team that could make them pay from the mid-range and make them pay from three the most in that conference. Yeah, I think the difference in that matchup is, like, do, if the Suns can go supernova from three, then I think they have a chance. But yeah. I think that the Lakers are, I trust the Lakers to be more efficient at the rim than I do the Suns to be efficient from the mid-range in that matchup. And so I do think the Lakers would win, although I do think it would be, like, another sort of close energy. I don't think the Lakers are, like, necessarily, like, blowing anyone off the doors, like, this year. Yeah. I think the West is too competitive this year. I think that most of the series, you know, in the West between almost any teams are going to be hard fought like you know uh, like six games at least um in a lot of these cases and uh you know there'll be a heat sweep here and there because there always is and somebody will get a bad matchup or whatever but um the west is just really really competitive this year and uh i do think that the Lakers. i would pick the lakers to win that series but um you know there would be the chance that hey if all those guys just really get rolling offensively and the suns are bombing away from three then they just you know they three is greater than two you yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think considering those matchups, what we've probably identified is that the issue for the Lakers is actually going to be a lack of size when it comes to facing those real problem teams like the Timberwolves, like the Nuggets. And um, Turning our attention to the trade deadline, there are a few players that have been linked to the Lakers. Uh, I think somewhat famously in this podcast law, I stated that I thought James Harden could potentially be a Laker by the trade deadline. We spoke about that pre-pod. That hasn't quite worked out. Are there any players that you see hit in the market that the Lakers have the assets for that would address some of those concerns? Or do you think they go in a different direction? And do you think they add perhaps a more nailed-on perimeter scorer, like a Zach Levine, for example? I know it's been denied by Rich Paul, but do you think they go the other way and try and improve on the offensive end instead? I will say he didn't really deny it. He just said they aren't trying to force their way there. Um, and so, yeah. you know, I, I he didn't say no. He doesn't want to be on the Lakers. He just was like, you know, I got clients on all these teams and we're not trying to force our way anywhere. Wink, wink. Um, uh, yeah, I, uh, you know, I... I do, I am not, the Lakers are leaking to everyone with a Twitter account, basically, that they have no interest in Zach Levine, they're not interested, they don't want it, they like their team the way it is, whatever. I am skeptical that, you know, that when February comes around, that, you know, they are not going to potentially be looking at, you know, hey, we got D'Lo, and, you know, he has not necessarily proven to be reliable, uh, you know, yeah. either as a playoff guy or even as game-to-game regular season guy. Um, we got Rui, who has sort of been, you know, 
had his role sort of be really bumpy this year and we mm-hmm. can sort of trade those guys for Zach Levine and you know all we have to include is a first round pick I'm skeptical that there won't be some real conversations about that especially just considering how much of sort of a playmaking deficit and like a you know like one-on-one scoring deficit they can have at times when you know against teams that are a good matchup for Austin Reeves and you know against teams that can throw guys at LeBron like I could see them wanting one more scorer and it's like you know everybody's like oh Zach Levine but the defense and you know the this team's whole identity is defense and all that stuff it's like if you're Mm. trading Rui and D'Lo I don't know how much you're losing defensively there you know like yeah um, how much maybe you lose something just because yeah. Zach Levine like is going to close and D'Lo has not been closing. And so in those closing lineups now, all of a sudden you have a guy who has been sort of a sieve at times, although I would imagine he'll be as locked in as he ever would be in LA. I'm not necessarily like arguing for the trade at this point, but I've been underwhelmed enough by D'Lo and Rui that I, I, I would personally consider it. And I could definitely see the Lakers considering it, uh, considering sort of their affinity for um, bucket getters, especially in the past and clutch clients. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, I like it. I wrote about Zach Levine potentially being traded to every single team in the NBA when that original Shams news broke, just because I thought he's a really portable star in that when he is locked in, I think he can operate on ball, off ball. He's a valuable cutter. Uh, And I don't think that the problem, uh, the contract is as big a problem for the Lakers as it would be for the contract is bad. I will say the contract is bad. Like, and so that is a real like argument to potentially stay away from it. But it's also like Hmm. you're locked into AD for the next five years. You're locked into LeBron, you know, like you want to keep trying to win now. Like, you know, on some level, you kind of have to worry about the future in the future, you know, or you're doing the present a disservice. Yeah, and the uh, the knee issues haven't nearly been as bad as a lot of people in the press have stated. I think that he got off yeah. to a really slow start at the start of last year and in the back half of that season, uh, really turned it around, looked like him his old self athletically. So I think he's certainly a target that the Lakers could pursue. Ironically, I think Isaiah Stewart could be a lovely big guy that could come in and potentially play next to Anthony Davis. I think that trade is probably blackballed. Or he can he can go to the the La Professor X uh, school for gifted young. Like you know, LeBron's going to teach him to like to channel his anger in a productive direction. You know, um, yeah. not at him. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Maybe he was impressed by the balls on Isaiah Stewart's go after the most famous player in the world. But uh, yeah, I think he's like, oh man, all... if this guy wanted to kill me, I want this guy on <laughs> yeah. my team. Yeah, this is great. Just, I don't want to have to face him twice a year. It's as simple as that. Come sign up. Yeah. I'll, I'll take the training scrap. I don't mind. But Harrison, I think that might be all we have time for, man. You're a busy guy. We're around the Christmas period, but I've really enjoyed talking Lakers. Again, I'm going to do my best to get that t shirt over to you. Any closing thoughts for uh you know the drop step faithful no no just uh you know check me out on uh on like on i guess still twitter um at hm fagan if you're still on there and you know i'm also on uh threads and blue sky at fake news f-a-i-g-n-e-w-s um and uh yeah so and just you know check out sbnation.com and the sb nation team site network and you know if you want to be as informed as you possibly can on all the moves that these teams are thinking of making or could make or you know think about things in a different way then uh you know we have a team blog for you yeah absolutely guys harrison is a must follow on twitter even though the cup has ended uh he's been great fun to have on the podcast again 
drop him a follow on Twitter. I noticed, Harrison, you're calling it Twitter, but you've changed to crypto for Staples Center. So you are moving. I, I, I caught myself. I, I said crypto. I didn't I didn't use the full name. I'm still I'm still trying to call it the crypt, but sometimes I slip up. You know, I, nice. I, I live with someone who is uh like a, uh you know, involved on the broadcast side and has to use official names and stuff and uh, be respectful of the stupid, stupid name of that building. And uh, so sometimes I slip up okay well merry christmas dan thank you so much for coming on guys check out harrison and check out the drop step later on this week i don't know if we're going to drop another episode pre-christmas if not it's going to come out on boxing day or the 27th so we'll get you through that festive period if you've had too much to eat around the christmas dinner table go for a walk put the drop step on and tune into not only me and harrison breaking it down but tune into me and trey from raptors republic breaking down how we're going to build around scotty barnes that's all we've had time for that's another episode of the drop step in the books our first return guest exciting times have a lovely christmas everyone and tune in again soon for another episode